Hi there everyone, I trust that you're really blessed today, Resurrection Sunday. And I believe that God is going to really minister to you so powerfully with regards to the benefits of being a believer. I really believe that many Christians are living their lives as though they were not believers because they haven't really walked in the fullness of resurrection power. And what I've decided to do is to show you a clip a powerful message that my dear friend Pastor Chooks Ugohe preached a couple of years ago in our church. And it's really to do with accessing God's resources. We're doing a series right now in our church on generosity. And I believe that you will really be ministered to as you have this revelation imparted to you. Let's pray. Father, may you come and do what only you can do. May you come and minister to your people today. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this powerful message. And we ask, Lord, that you would minister to your people like never before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Today is an exciting day. We've got uh, Pastor Stuart Bishop preaching at the Centurion Church this morning at 11.30. And we've got Pastor Wimbai Chariga preaching at the Joburg Church and we've got uh, Pastor Michael preaching in Pretoria East. And I believe that God is really going to minister to all the congregations. And you who are watching now, our online family, you will be listening to this powerful message by Pastor Chooks Ugohia. Enjoy and be ministered to. Are you ready for God's word? Really? Yes. Really? Yes. I'm going to go and sit down. I need to get some excitement. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Every time it's an opportunity to hear the preaching of God's word, it's a number of things. It's an opportunity to receive impartation. It's an opportunity to engage the power of God and release that power to set things straight in people's lives, yes. to destroy yokes, to break bondages, yes. to enlighten, to build, and to erect structures in the spirit. So you should be excited about the preaching of God's word. Yes. Amen. When we preach like this, we are letting heaven and earth know that the things that have been written in the word of God must become reality in our lives and our experiences. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. From verse 1, but I'm going to verse 5. But I'll read from verse 1 for context. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, be ready 
in season and out of season. In other words, when it is convenient and when it's not. When you like it and when you don't like it. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Lord, we ask that you speak expressly to this congregation, to every man, every woman, under the sound of my voice, even those who will watch via technology or listen by recorded media. I ask that you speak to the hearts of my brothers who are being recognized today and affirmed in their ministry in this local assembly for the body of Christ. Lord, I ask that you speak. Spirit of God, set captives free. Break yokes. Set things that are not in order in order. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before I tell you the title of my contemplation this morning, when God calls a person, he usually calls people in privacy. God doesn't call people publicly. He calls them between him and them. So we're not there when God calls people. It's between them and God. And God calls them. And they receive the call. And they either accept the call or they reject the call. And scriptures has examples of people who were called by God to an assignment and they rejected, or they ran away, or they made excuses. Jesus called people who made excuses and didn't want to come. God called Jonah, and he ran away. When that person receives that call and accepts it and steps forward, the effect of their receiving the call is that they will start walking in it. And they will start deploying the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has put inside of them to serve along that call. And what will happen is that in the community of faith, 
we will recognize there's something about this person. There's something about their gift. There's an anointing that they carry. There's something about them. And usually leadership would pick it up. And then they would engage to train, to prepare, to encourage that person, to teach them and tutor them in the things of God and, uh, and how to go about that call. And then when the leadership feels that there is now a certain maturity and understanding of the demands of the call, the responsibilities of the call, a day like this is set. That's the, that's the process in scriptures. A day like this is set. Where that individual is now recognized publicly by the body of Christ, represented by this local assembly. Now, what is happening today is not just for this local assembly. It's for the body of Christ. Because the moment we recognize them here, they are recognized globally. Amen. And we, we affirm that call. See why I don't like this mic? <laughs> we affirm that call. We pray over them. We prophesy things. There are graces imparted. There are graces activated. There are stuff deposited. And then from then on, stuff begins to take a different dimension. I have known services like this to release such intense power that once people are formally ordained, they step into dimensions of their call that they didn't know before or they didn't have before. Right. And they begin to do things. And what that says to me that when that happens, there are certain angelic yes. dimensions that are opened up. And that will be happening today. Amen. That will be happening today. All right. Now, when God, God calls us long before we even know it. The Bible says concerning Jeremiah, he says, I ordained you and called you to be a prophet from your mother's womb. God calls us. And then we at some point, we hear it, and then we recognize it. All right, so the call of God is not an afterthought. It's something that God has decided from the foundation of the earth when he created you. He set you aside and called you. A day came in your development and in your work with God when you picked it up, and your system recognized this is a call, and then you accepted it. And what we're doing today is to, is to affirm it. Now, that assignment in God has been cut out. It's been set up by God. What he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it, and the details of it are in God. They are not, they are not things he is making up as he goes. He's already decided it. And there are resources that have been assigned to you by God to be able to fulfill that assignment. 
And those resources, there will be human resources, financial resources, graces, anointings, uh, mandates, commissions that God has put, and there are resources, spiritual resources that have been assigned to you to fulfill your call. What we're about to do today is to publicly declare a release of every single thing that has been ordained for you to fulfill that call. Hallelujah. So my title this morning is Resourcing Your Call from the Pocket of God. Resourcing your call or resourcing your mandate from the pocket of God. How do you pull out what you need to fulfill this assignment? How do you access where it is and then pull it out and deploy it to fulfill what God has called you to do? So back to my text this morning. He says, but you be watchful. Be watchful. The Greek word there is nepho, and it means to be calm and collected in spirit. It means to be sober and clear-minded. It means to be temperate, to be dispassionate and circumspect. It means to be self-controlled. It means to be in control of your internal atmosphere. Let me say that again. It means to be in, in control of your internal atmosphere. If I want to phrase it in another way, it means mastering internal atmosphere management. Mastering internal atmosphere management. Internal atmosphere management, I am. Note that somewhere. Paul says, be watchful in all things. Not in some things, not in some times, at all times, be watchful. At all times, be sober-minded. At all times, be clear-minded. At all times, control your internal atmosphere. At all times. At all times. And then he goes on to say, endure afflictions. Endure suffering. Some versions will say, endure suffering. Is there a connection between internal atmosphere management and enduring suffering? Yes, there is. What is suffering? Suffering is when an external circumstance is not lining up with my intention on the inside. That's what suffering is. And it can, it can, it can be as bad as being beaten up. It can be as bad as being beaten up physically or being beaten up with words. It can be as bad as being um, incarcerated. 
It can be as bad as being opposed or being misunderstood. This is the territory that we are about to open you to today. This thing that we do, you need a thick skin and a deaf ear to succeed at it. Because people will say things you wouldn't believe that is coming from their mouth. In your sincerity to serve God, to do what you feel God has called you to do, you will be misunderstood. You will be challenged from the pit of hell like you wouldn't believe it. So, the man of God was telling his young protege here and warning him up front, suffering is coming. So, get ready. Endure it. Meaning, Never allow what is happening on the outside mess up with your internal atmosphere. In other words, you got to master how to manage it on the inside that you don't allow the storm on the outside create a storm on the inside. And then he goes on to say, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, in all of these things you're doing, it's so important that you recognize and realize that I need you to be an announcer of good news. That's what an evangelist is. A proclaimer of good news. That in other words, in the pursuit of your call, always be a bringer of good news. You must produce good news. Even when you don't think so. <laughs> then he says, fulfill your ministry. We cannot talk about fulfillment if there are no requirements. So if I'm saying to you, fulfill something, then there was an understanding between two of us that there are some requirements you're supposed to follow through to fulfill it. And because that's the only way we know that you actually fulfilled it because one, two, three, four, five has been accomplished or achieved. And he says, fulfill your ministry. Now, in other words, it's your responsibility to fulfill that ministry. God is not going to do it. You will fulfill that ministry. And today we prophesy over you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that grace is released to you to fulfill the ministry. That when you stand before the king on the day of reckoning, you will say, I have fulfilled the ministry that you gave to me. I have run the race. I have finished my course. And we declare today in the name of Jesus that strength and enablement is released unto you to fulfill your ministry. All right. So to fulfill the ministry, resources are needed. You need people. You need money and a lot of it. You need favor. You need angelic assistance. You need resources to fulfill the mandate and the assignment. You need resources. 
Now, what's interesting about these resources is that these resources come from God. The reason why people feel frustrated in ministry, pastors commit suicide, people do all kinds of crazy stuff, is because they are frustrated in accessing resources to accomplish the assignment. Sometimes the opposition is so stiff. Contradictions are so strong that if you don't know how to access the pocket of God to fulfill the ministry, the ministry can kill you. The ministry has killed people. Well, it's really not the ministry that killed them. Satan killed them. Send them to hell. Send them to heaven with a ticket from hell. Oh, yes. But that's not your portion in the name of Jesus. And so I came today to share with you some things that I have learned over the period that I have preached the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ since 1989. I've learned a few things. And I've realized if God doesn't help you, you're not helped. You see, a call from God cannot be financed by man. Oh, you didn't hear what I said? A call from God can only be financed by God. And that's the reason why I have learned that the only place I have allegiance is is the throne room of God. The only pocket that I look to is the pocket of God. If you are going to fulfill this call that we are forming today, you must become a master at dipping your hands in the pocket of God and pulling out resources when you need it. You didn't hear what I said. Let me say it again. You must become a master, proficient in dipping your hands in the pocket of God to pull out resources and deploy them when you need them. Hallelujah. All right. I found out, talking about the supply of resources, that there are five levels of supply of resources in scriptures. Five. One, two, three, four, five. I asked the audiovisual team to help me. Can you put it up? Five levels of supply. I want to walk you through it quickly. The first level of supply is the level of not enough. Not enough. That's the level of insufficiency. An example, I need a hundred rands. I've got only 40. Not enough. That's not the will of God for any one of us. Amen. That was the state of the children of Israel while they were in Egypt. In fact, when Pharaoh wants to punish them or wanted to punish them, what did he say? Withdraw resources from them so that they can struggle some more. I prophesy to you, you will never do your ministry at level number one. In the name of Jesus. Level number two is the level of sufficiency just enough i need 100 bucks that's an example and i've got only 100 bucks now the problem with level number two is that if satan sneezes 
You go back to level number one. <laughs> you got a hundred bucks. You need a hundred bucks. You got a hundred. If the taxi driver refuses to give you a five rand, you are short. That's a very, very unstable place to be. God doesn't want us to be at that just enough. All right. Level number three. More than enough. That's the level of abundance. I need a hundred bucks and I've got a thousand. Hallelujah. That's a good place to start. You didn't hear what I said. That's a good place to start. There's a fourth level. Level number four, much more than enough. I need a hundred bucks and I got a million. Much more than enough. That's level number four. Then there's level number five. That's level number five. Level number five is the level of no need. No sense of need, no sense of lack. It's the level of absolute abundance. There's a level of inexhaustible supply. I call that level a, the, the level of no limitations. There is no limitations on that level. I call that level the pocket of God. Because it's so deep and it's so big and it's so wide you can't exhaust it. That is a level that the call of God is emanating from. And you need to understand that level and understand the dynamics of that level, connect with that level, lock in into that level, and then master the process of pulling resources from there. Because out of the pocket of God comes people. Out of the pocket of God comes money. Out of the pocket of God comes property. Out of the pocket of God comes equipment, comes whatever is required. Out of the pocket of God comes anointing. This is the level. See, level number five does not submit to limitations when you are there. Acts chapter number 12. Peter is locked up after James is killed. The brethren are grieved because their pastor has been executed. And the Bible said the Jews were pleased that James has been killed and they see the effect on the church. They grab Peter to do the same to him. And the brothers and sisters decided, ah, 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 we're not going to have that. And the Bible says, prayers were made, continuous prayers were raised for Peter while he was in jail. On the night before he was executed, as the brothers and sisters were praying, the church were praying. You see, what happened is at level, at the place where Peter was, there was no resources that could get him out of jail. Because the people of God were in such a bad place politically. There was nobody to lobby, to go and speak to the authorities for Peter to bring him out. 
This is the power of understanding level number five. When human efforts fail, or when there are no human possibilities for a response, for an answer, level number five kicks in. The Bible says, in the middle of the night, an angel came and tapped him. Man of God, get up. And he got up. And the Bible says, chains that were on his hands and on his ankles fell off. And then the angel says, wear your clothes. He wore his clothes. The angel says, follow me. He started following him. And they got to the first gate, second gate, third gate. The gates were opening of their own accord. And then they come out. And then they come to the corner of John Foster. What's the street called? <laughs> eh? Logan. They come out to the corner of John Foster and Logan. The man of God realized, yo, this is not a dream. This is actually next to Brother Soso and Soul House. Then it was then it dawned on him that this was not a dream. And then he went to the house where the brothers and sisters were busy praying for him. And knocks on the door. And they say, who is this? He calls his name. The lady, Rhoda, says, ah, no, no, it can't be you. <laughs> but the point is, he got released from prison because of resources that came out from level number five. His call was saved from untimely termination because of the oppression of level number five. That's the zone of no limitations. Jesus is preaching. He has had three days of preaching. Brothers and sisters have gathered, listened to him. At, three, at the end of three days, Jesus feels uncomfortable to send them home because they've been fasting, they've been hungry. He said, let's give them something to eat. Did you hear the, mas the master's language? Let's give them something to eat. And his disciples are in shock. How can that thought occur in your mind? With thousands of people here. The Bible says there are 5,000 men beside women and children. How can that thought occur to you? He said, even if we are to buy 200 denarii worth of bread, it's not enough to feed these people. How can you be saying, let's feed them? Like as if there's money somewhere. Of course, the master was operating from level number five. From a place where there's no sense of need, no sense of lack. Let's give these people food. And, and the disciples can't understand, how can you say it like that? Let's give these people food. A little boy shows up and says, my mom gave me food when I was coming three days ago. I don't know. Maybe I can share with another child. And he brought it. And the, when the Bible, when, when, when Jesus got the Bible said, Jesus says enough. He lifted five loaves and two fish of a small child. Gave thanks, blessed it, gave it back to 12 men, asked them to go distribute it. At the end of a few hours, we have 12 baskets left over after everybody had eaten. Not less than 15,000 people had been fed. Assuming that for every man that is present, there's one woman and one child. That's a very conservative yeah, because in those days, people were known to have 12 children. But that's very conservative. 15,000 people minimum had been fed. 12 baskets left over. Question, where did all that food show up from? From the pocket of God. From the pocket of God. Luke chapter number 5. Jesus meets fishermen who are frustrated with their businesses and they did, with their business and they didn't know what to do because in the morning they were going to go home empty-handed. 
Jesus borrows their boat, finishes preaching, and decides to bless them. And he tells the guy, cast your net into the deep. Let, down, let it down for a catch. Peter obeys after grumbling. He says, the whole night we toiled and we caught nothing. This water is empty. But at your word. At your word. He obeyed the instruction. And Bible says, he comes back with a net-breaking harvest. Question, where did all these fish come out from? They tried to haul the net into the boat. The boat started sinking. My goodness. Where was all these fish all the while? The fish all came out from the pocket of God. In other words, everything that you need to do the ministry and fulfill the call of God is in the pocket of God. And you need to pull it out there. The crowds that followed that came to respond to Jesus' ministry, how do you think he was gathering them? From the pocket of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and so, for the period that I've served God in ministry, I've tried to understand this thing. How do you go there? Because you need to go there very often. <laughs> You need to go there very often. How do you go there to pull out resources to do what God has called you to do? If you don't know how to pull things from the pocket of God, you will be frustrated. You will be so angry. You will be so angry with what you are doing. You know, you know, someone says anointing without money is annoyance. All right. Now, now, now go back to our text. I want to show you something. I told you that the pocket of God is the zone of no limitations. All miracles come out from the pocket of God. John chapter 2. Jesus goes to a wedding. Wine runs out. He turns water into wine. Where do you think he came from? From the pocket of God. All right. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you how the pocket of God operates. I want to show you. I, I, I'm not going to read the story. It's a story that, if you haven't read it before, please go home. Let it be your Bible reading for this evening. And read Matthew chapter 14. Jesus finishes ministry one Saturday afternoon or in the evening. He, Bible says that he constrained his disciples to get into the boat and go over to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Then he went up to the mountain to pray. And he was there praying for a while. And Bible said at, at some point in his time of praying, he decides to come down from the mountain to go and meet his disciples. He arrives at the seashore and all the boats are gone. There's no transport. All the boats are gone. But he needed to get to his disciples. So what does the master do? He, he opens the pocket of God and pulls out a resource. The capacity to walk on water. Hallelujah. He pulls it out. 
Because when you know how to operate the pocket of God, you can pull anything out. He starts walking on water. Going towards his disciples. And the Bible says these guys were having a hard time. Because some wind was contrary to them. I speak against every contrary wind in the name of Jesus. See, let me explain to you. Jesus gave the instruction. Go to the other side. So, they were in the will of God. They were doing what they were asked to do. In fact, they were constrained. Meaning that some of them didn't want to go immediately. And he had to say, hey, hey, you, you, go in, go in, go in. They were constrained and they left. So, they were in the will of God. But they were being opposed while in the will of God. This is the reason why the apostles said to the young man, endure afflictions because it will come. They were in the will of God, yet they were being opposed. Satan had organized a wind to stop them from fulfilling the instruction that was given to them. So the whole night they were stuck there. And anybody who is called in the ministry will understand what I'm saying. There are seasons of hindered progress and you wonder what's going on. And you wonder what is going on. You're doing everything you know to do. These guys are professional fishermen. Water is very familiar to them. And yet they were not making progress. They were not moving towards the fulfillment of the assignment. And they are stuck in the middle. But I came this morning to let somebody know. If you are in that place where you are stuck. Or in that place where you feel challenged. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody this morning. And, you, and you're feeling this contrary wind against you. And you can't explain it. You can't explain it. You're trying to row the boat, but you, you, you feel an opposition. The boat is not moving. The wind is invisible. You, can't, you, you only see the effect of the wind, but the boat is not moving. And you're doing everything you know to do, but the boat is not moving. Because something invisible is stopping you from going forward. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody this morning. I came this morning to rebuke that contrary wind. I speak over you in the name of Jesus. Every contrary wind against your progress. I command it in the name of Jesus right now to be silenced. In the name of Jesus. The master knew about their trouble. That's the thing about the master we serve. Every time you are stuck in between, the master comes to you. The master comes to you. And the Bible said the master walked on water towards them. And they sight the master, and it's almost like from fine pan to fire. These are people who are already stressed. These are people who are already frustrated. Let me tell you what that wind had done. The wind had reduced them to level number one supply. They had insufficient supply to keep moving. No energy anymore. No energy anymore. And they are there. Now to make matters worse, here comes this thing walking on water. The Bible says, yo, these guys are afraid. They're screaming, grown-up men shouting, crying like babies. They say it's a ghost. And Jesus notices that they are terrified by seeing this thing walking on water. I can imagine, I can imagine James called Judas. I say, can you see? <laughs> Am I seeing correctly? See, it looks like a human being. No, someone said, no, it's not a human being. How can a human being walk in the water? Same must be Tokolosh. 
because the thing kept on coming towards them you see it's okay when it is far but it keeps coming close and it's coming close and uh, the closer it gets the louder their shouts and jesus notices what is going on and says to them do not be afraid it is i it's me peter hears the voice of the master recognizes the voice but this is the thing that i came to share this morning not only that he recognized the voice he saw that what the master was doing was level five operation and he remembered something the master had taught them the master must have taught them about pulling things from the pocket of god because whenever he sent them out he said i send you without pause i send you out without stuff go so it's something he had taught them because his response was if it is you he has also taught them that it takes someone who is operating at level number five to bring another person into level number five. Oh, you didn't hear what i said he had taught them that so peter remembered the things he had learned from the master and said if it is you operating this level number five operation we are seeing here bid me to also come the master says why not come peter hears come peter jumps out from the boat puts his leg on the water it holds pulls the next one it holds peter is now working on water now i come from an engineering background to work on water scientifically speaking a number of things could create that number one gravity is suspended for the person working on water or gravity is suspended for the whole area but it's clear that gravity was not suspended in the whole area because the storm is on so gravity did not get suspended in the whole area so it must be that either the person gravity is suspended with regards to peter that he has no more mass or weight so he's floating that's one scenario second scenario the density of water has just been increased so the density of water has become higher than the density of peter and the viscosity of water has become higher so that's what will allow him to walk on water but whatever it was i recognize the work of angels when jesus opened his mouth and said come an angel was released to get into that water and create that situation that allows peter to work on it so angelic assistance was released the moment he made that call i'm saying to you today angelic assistance is being released for you so this angel held whatever laws of physics that he needed to hold and peter was working on water so that comes to where i want to show you verse 30 
Let's read from 29. Say, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. He was walking on water and he was doing well. Suddenly, a voice came from the wind. And the voice said to him, you will die now. You will hear that voice many times in the course of doing ministry. This ministry will die. This church plant is not going to survive. This initiative you started is going to die. Even you, you will die. Your marriage will die. That voice will say to you, your child will die. You will hear that voice a number of times. I came to warn you today. You will know what to do with that voice when it speaks. Not if, when it speaks. There are many nights you will lie down on your bed and beg for sleep and you will not find it. Because there's a voice saying things contrary. The call to follow Jesus is a call to walk on water. It's a call to engage resources from the pocket of God. And without the engagement of resources from the pocket of God, you will not be able to fulfill your ministry. So when Paul said to the young man, fulfill your ministry, he was saying a lot of deep things to him. You have to master it. So that voice came to him, saying, you're going to die. He became afraid. And the moment he became afraid, something happened. The angel who was sustaining that miracle that he was working on got deactivated. And he began to sink. Do you know that Peter is in a worse case now than when he was in the boat? Oh. At least when he was in the boat, he was safe inside the boat. Right now, he's about to die. It's a risky thing to obey God and step out on water. Because if you don't master that voice, you'll be worse off. That's the truth. I'm talking from experience. Next year will be 30 years. I'm talking from experience. So you need to know what to do. Angelic assistance was released. Angelic help was dispatched. But angelic help has been suspended. Why? Why? The storm on the outside got on his inside. Internal atmosphere management. Watch the man of God and be alert at all times. Peter lost the plot right there. He lost the plot right there. To fulfill your ministry, you cannot afford to allow the things that are shouting and screaming contrary to you on the outside to get into you on the inside. Right now, he's afraid he's going to die and he's dying. 
The devil will tell you the ministry will not work. The devil will tell you your call will not be fulfilled. It will happen many times. Oh yes, I know what I'm talking about. People will leave the church. You will come one Sunday and it's empty. And you wonder, what did I do wrong? You know, I've learned it. Many years of serving the Lord. Never go by the voice of people. Oh, pastor, go and get the venue. We, we, we are with you. <laughs> if you have not heard the voice of God, please do not obey the, 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 the voice of men or the clamorings of men. My pastor taught me something very early. He said, I have learned to listen to men, but to take instructions only from God. Because out of the mouth of God, his pocket is released. You need to hear God, not men. And it doesn't matter what, hey, time forbids me to tell you stories. But I have many. Many. They say, go, go, pastor. We are with you. We are to go and get the venue. Go and sign the contract. You sign the contract. Then they disappear. And you have to bill, deal with that bill all by yourself. You know, people come to church every Sunday. And you see this venue. You don't know what goes on. He, I don't know. Pastor Paul didn't tell me, but I, can, I have an idea. I've been doing this thing for a while. When, if this venue is not paid for, they don't call you. Do they phone you? No, they phone him. If the debt is a lot, they threaten to attach his things, not your things. <laughs> when God calls you, it's a very personal thing. It's not about the people around. So where we are right now, Peter is dying in trying to obey God who called him to walk on water. But internal atmosphere management, he lost it. And he allowed the atmosphere on the outside to get in on the inside. Angelic assistance responds according to the internal atmosphere. Let me say that again. Angelic help only responds to the atmosphere on your inside, not in the one in Jesus. Do you know, he said come. He released the angels. They were there. According to what was going on in Peter. Yes. When Jesus said come, Peter heard it. Peter stepped out. The angel put his hand. Peter stepped to the next, put the next feet forward. The angel put his hand. But did you realize that the angels did not disappear? They got deactivated, but they didn't disappear. Why? When Peter saw himself drowning, he cried out to the master, Save me! I have made a mistake. That's, that's 
what save me means. I recognize I have made a mistake. Save me. And as he cried out, I have good news for somebody this morning. We serve a God who is totally redemptive. There's no mistake that you have made that you cannot be redeemed out of. In doing the work of God in the ministry, you will make many mistakes. You will make decisions that will turn out to be the wrong one. Oh, yes. But this morning, I want to encourage you. Whenever your contradictions begin to threaten you or threaten the call, always remember there's a button. There's a reset button to press. There's a redemptive button to press. You call the name of Jesus. You call out on the name of Jesus. I cannot tell you how many times I have pressed that button. Bail me out. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I don't understand what is going on. And the Bible said immediately. Someone say immediately. Someone say immediately. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand. And grabbed him. And when he grabbed him, he pulled him up. And the angels got back into action. Because they never left. They got disconnected because of a loss of internal atmosphere management. Jesus pulled him up. The angels got back holding Peter's legs. And the Bible said they walked back together to the boat. I don't know who you are. You made mistakes. You feel you are drowning. The business is going down by wrong decisions you've made. I don't know who you are. I feel you in my spirit. But I'm here this morning to prophesy and declare help has come. Oh, redemption has come. Your redeemer is redeeming that situation and turning it around. I say your redeemer is redeeming that situation. And somebody lift your hands, lift your hands and speak to the Lord. You are in that situation. You got married and it doesn't look like this thing is going somewhere that is pleasant. You took the decision. You, you went out thinking I am obeying God. But you are now in the bottom of some horrendous pit. And you don't know how you're going to come out. I don't know who you are. But this is your moment. Lift up your hands and just cry to the Lord. And say, God, save me. Oh, reach out to me and save me. Let the angels that were assigned to you get back on their duty. Come on, pray in the name of Jesus. I don't care what the situation is. There is a turnaround coming through. There's a turnaround coming through. Lord, I speak over everybody. Anyone who finds themselves in a situation where they feel trapped, where they feel helpless, where they feel overwhelmed, I speak right now a release of supernatural help in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help is released unto you in Jesus' name. As I round this up, Peter is now working on water again. Because the master reached out to him and pulled him. Now the question I ask of the text, what does the master know that despite the wind he himself continued walking that peter didn't know 
What did the master know that allowed him to control his own internal atmosphere? That the storm on the outside did not affect him. Even when Peter was drowning, he was still walking. Is there something the master knows? Of course there's something he knows. So I questioned to understand what did he know? Because if I know what he knows, then I will never get into the problem that Peter got into. You agree with me? Despite the storm, we'll still keep walking on water. Not only, listen, not only are we able to walk on water, we are able to help those who try to walk on water and they begin to sink. Oof. That we can reach out to people who are drowning. So whatever the master knew, you need to know it if you are called of God. Because our call and our assignment is to rescue people who miss it. Rescue people who who for whatever reason make mistakes and they are drowning we need to be able to reach out to them pull them back up so we need to know what the master knew i found seven things that the master knew hey how much time do i have <laughs> i don't i don't listen to you i listen to the pastor <laughs> okay all right First, John, First Kings. First Kings. Chapter 18. Contradictions will always arise in the course of obeying God. You always have the contrary wind. But what's interesting about the contrary wind, while the contrary wind was on, the angels were still on. They were there because Jesus was standing on the water. So the angels did not disappear because there was a contrary wind. They got deactivated because Peter's inside was messed up. So, I tried to find out. Every circumstance of contradiction and people prevailed over that circumstance, they must have done exactly the same thing the master did. Does that make sense? So I began to study to find out instances in scriptures where people faced stiff contradiction and they were able to override the contradiction and produce results and try to see if we can see a pattern and understand what is going on and i saw i'm gonna try and give you quickly and then we're gonna pray for this man of god in first kings chapter 18 there's a man of god by the name elijah who had a mandate from god god called him and God gave him instructions. And the instruction was shut down the heavens and create a drought. And then when it's time, I will tell you, you open the heavens again and the rain will come. So chapter 18 verse 1, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Ahab, I'm coming. And God says, when you do that and show yourself to Ahab, I will send rain. Elijah said, yes, sir. Elijah goes to Ahab, verse 2. And Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Instead of rain, it was famine. Didn't God say, present yourself to Ahab and I'll show 
I will send rain. I have obeyed God. But where is the rain? Is God lying? Hello? Is God lying? But there's no rain. Instead, there is severe famine. That's a contradiction. It's a contradiction. God said, present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain. I have presented myself to Ahab and there's severe famine. In fact, not just that there's famine. There's what? Severe famine. It gets worse. What do you do when you've obeyed God and contradiction gets so strong? This is Elijah right here. I don't have time. So Elijah, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah is hearing rain. While no one else is hearing it and seeing it. Something is happening here. Because rain falls when you hear rain when it is falling. So it's falling. Rain is falling somewhere. Only Elijah has rain falling. Nobody else. So question, where is this rain falling? Because if I hear, you say, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I hear it. Where is this rain falling? This rain is falling inside of Elijah. This rain is falling where? Inside of Elijah. It's falling. Do you know why the rain is falling inside of Elijah? Let me tell you why. That's the first discipline. You always have to be on the same side with God. You have to always be at the same side, on the same side with God. You have to agree with him. If God said, I will do it, you have to agree that he has done it, whether you see it or not. That's the difference between boys of God and men of God. <laughs> Bible says, let God be true and all men and all things be liars. I will rather agree with God and side with him on what he said to me than begin to allow the enemy to tell me that God is lying. So Elijah said, God, you said rain is falling. Rain is falling. So his internal atmosphere had rain. His internal atmosphere agreed with what God said. Oh, you didn't hear me. His internal atmosphere agreed with what God said, even though what his eyes are seeing on the outside contradicts what God said. So he agreed with God. Discipline number one, always be in agreement with what God said. Whether you see it on the outside or not. He agreed with what God said. Discipline number two, Elijah goes up to the mountain to pray. Because what God told him, he said, God is true. God never lies. Somebody is lying. And we have to overrule the lie of these other people. Whosoever it is. And I'm going to tell you who was lying. It wasn't God. You know who was lying? The atmosphere was lying. The atmosphere, the climate around the nation was lying. God said, present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain. Elijah believed it. Rain is falling. This atmosphere is lying. 
but to change the lie on the outside to line up with the truth on his inside he needed to do something are you here the rain on his inside needed to fall on the outside so that everybody can see it so discipline number two that's the discipline of solitude discipline of what solitude he separated himself and climbed to the mountain to lock down and pray if you don't know how to do that discipline you will not be able to pull out stuff from the pocket of god because this rain has been released from the pocket of god the atmosphere is not bearing witness to what has been released but the atmosphere inside of elijah is agreeing with what has been released so second discipline the discipline of solitude third discipline i don't have time to unpack it pastor boy you have to bring me again to come and unpack it number three discipline the discipline of spiritual acuity and sensitivity he had to keep hearing the rain on the inside when it was not falling on the outside he had to keep hearing it every one of us here we have five physical senses but with your five physical senses, you also have five spiritual senses he was hearing things with his spiritual ears that his natural ears were not hearing your spiritual senses has to wake up uh, uh, let me talk to the to the women behind this men of god Amen. what you are standing today to support will require your spiritual sensitivity to be acute you need to hear the word of the lord in the midst of contradictions you cannot afford to be like the wife of job in the midst of contradictions that woman bailed out he said job idiot curse god and die what's this she lost the plot because the contradictions they were facing in their family didn't make sense she lost the plot and she turned around and said job is this life that you're living what kind of life is this cause this god is not worthy of following him and die me i'm already gone <laughs> there are many times in this journey that the only help that is around the man of God is his wife. And if she doesn't know how to hear God and stay steadfast, in other words, the skills that I'm talking about, you also have to develop them. You have to be a master at pulling things from the pocket of God. Or you have to be a master. You have to be able to tell your husband, keep going. Because I hear rain. I hear rain. Discipline number four, I have to run. Elijah tells the, boy, the servant that he has, go and look. He goes to look and he sees nothing. He comes back. He goes to look. He sees nothing and he comes back. How many times? Seven times. What is it that made him keep sending this boy to go and look when there's no result? It's the discipline number four. The discipline of sustained intensity sustained intensity i refuse to agree that it's not happening 
I refuse. I put my leg on the accelerator. This car must arrive at Cape Town. I am not going to accept that this thing is not happening. So if you have to preach to the crowd for three people, where two or three are gathered in my name, for so long, you will do it until the stadium is full. You have to have the discipline to sustain your intensity whether you are seeing outside result or not. Whether you are seeing anything on the outside or not, you have to have the ability to sustain the intensity. It's a discipline. Number five, I don't have time. The discipline of sustained expectation or patient and sustained expectation. He kept on telling that guy, go back. Why? Because he was expecting to see it any moment. Go and check again. Go and check again. Go and check again. Go and check again. You will not be one of those who sing that song that hope deferred makes the heart sick. For you in the ministry, hope is never deferred. Oh, you didn't hear what I'm saying. Hope is an ever-present reality with you. Because you stepped out of hope, you are now in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you move beyond hope and you are holding the substance. So you are, that scripture does not apply to you. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Not for people who are called in the ministry. I don't have time. But you have to sustain your expectation. Whether you're seeing results or not, you have to be patient and sustain your expectation. Scripture says we are those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Discipline number six. The discipline of managing destruction. You see, every time that boy came back and say, I see nothing. He says, go back again. Do you know that humanly speaking, by the time he's gone the third time and the fourth time, he will start complaining. Because he gets tired. What is this thing? Go and see. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. I'm not seeing anything. And he kept on telling him to go. In other words, you must have the discipline to manage the weariness of the people who are standing with you when they kick in in weariness. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. You have to have the discipline not to allow their weariness to distract you. Because people who are called with you can get weary. Do you know that everybody, it wasn't only Peter that denied Jesus, everybody denied him. Bible says everybody ran away, including John. They all ran away. They did. He had to take Joseph of Aramathea and Nicodemus to come. To come to ask for the body of Jesus. Because everybody ran away. There will be those seasons when everybody runs away. There will be those seasons when people get so weary and get so tired of not seeing results that they back off. Pastor, this thing you said will happen is not happening. I don't know about it anymore. You must develop the discipline of managing your focus, your internal atmosphere that you don't allow the weariness of people around you to weary you on the inside. Because weariness can be contagious. Oh, I don't have time. Weariness can be very contagious. When people around you get tired, you get tired. The leader, see, one of the things that frustrated Moses was that the weariness of the people began to weary him. And the weariness of people caused him to become agitated. And then he ended up striking the rock twice. 
when he was supposed to speak to it because people were complaining and shouting and grumbling outside internal atmosphere management failed moses moses did not get into the promised land because he allowed the willingness of the people outside and the people he's leading to frustrate him every leader must be aware of that numbers number seven and i'm done there the discipline of unbroken focus the discipline of unbroken focus you have to keep the focus peter missed it because his focus got broken he started seeing the wind instead of seeing jesus see i have been on this series on on manifesting the pocket of god in my church for like eight weeks now the pocket of god is so interesting the way it operates if you're not seeing it, it's not existing. You have to keep seeing it. You see, the angels that were sent inside that water, they were holding Peter as long as Peter was looking at Jesus who released the angels. I don't have time. As long as Peter was looking at Jesus, those angels were walking. The moment he stopped looking at Jesus and saw the storm, the angels were deactivated. You have to keep your focus on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher. Not just author. The author and the finisher. If what you have been called will be finished, you have to keep looking at him. If the ministry will be fulfilled, you have to keep looking at him. The discipline of unbroken focus. I'm done this morning. I can't go into more details. My time is up. We're going to pray. I trust that you were really blessed. Please share this message, talk about it, and I believe that it would have really ministered to you in such a powerful way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Father, we ask that you would help us to tap into this divine power. We thank you for your word that tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature. And we make a decision today, Lord God, to really tap into the pocket of God, to really access your resources, to really be faithful stewards of that which you've given to us. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and we say, come and activate this dimension in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please remember that this coming Sunday, the 11th of April, We'll be celebrating our 11th anniversary as Go Christian Church in Centurion. And we encourage you to join us for that service. It'll be at 11.30 on Sunday, the 11th of April at the Royal Elephant Hotel. We'll have a powerful time and a powerful message. God bless you as you meditate on the power of the resurrected Christ.